be here. How many feel really good now? Man, let's, uh, let's just cheer on the praise and worship team a little bit. Them. So, are, are you having a good weekend? Yeah, I am. It's uh, it's amazing to be in the house of God. It's it's always too long, right? I come a couple times a week and different things throughout the week, and I always miss it. I'm like, I'm ready to come. And uh, Cody, you might need to turn me down just a little bit. So, we'll, uh, channel 17. I'm on channel 17 today. But uh, man, I just really feel good about what's about to happen today. Um, I told Nicole, Nicole just asked me during worship if uh, what we felt about the youth staying or going to their class. And I just, I really felt God just say, I think this has potential today to be one of the greatest sermons or messages or impartation that has ever come through this, this building. And um, I'm just really excited because what I'm going to be speaking on today is sonship of the, really the spirit of adoption. When this hits you, when you get this, you'll never be the same, and really nothing else really matters. The only thing that you realize that matters is you and God. And that's it. Everything is going to flow from that. It's a great foundation to know that, that you're the father's son or daughter. It's a great revelation to know that you are his and he is yours. And, and everything else is very small in the, in the big picture of things. So this little fraction of a minute, this little blip, this dot of time happening right now is so, so small in comparison to what eternity is. And those little tiny problems in your bank accounts, those little tiny problems in your relationships, those little tiny problems in your job, those little tiny problems in your church, those little tiny problems here and there and everywhere are really small in the big picture of how good God is and what heaven is like. Amen. So when you capture that, you capture the kingdom. Listen, the, the word church is actually only used in the New Testament a couple times. But the word kingdom is used countless times. Even Jesus said, he says, preach the gospel of the kingdom. So preach the gospel. There's only one. Preach. He's, first off, he's saying do something. He's saying preach. So number one is preach. What? The gospel. The gospel. The good news. The good news. Preach the gospel of what? The kingdom. The kingdom's everywhere. The kingdom's God. The kingdom is all around us. It's in us. It's through us. That's the kingdom of God. So preach the gospel of the kingdom. That's what Jesus is saying. But sometimes we get so focused on our world and our stuff and our church and our building and our box. God wants to be let out of that little box we keep him in and he wants to do so much more. And I believe today that there's going to be an invitation of the spirit of adoption. And my wife and I are going to pray for every person that wants it. And if you want to leave here free from you, if you want to leave here free from unforgiveness, if you want to leave here free from everybody else around you, you're going to want this. And I'm telling you, you will sleep better at night, you will wake up with joy in your heart, and nothing will ever distract you or deter you from that. Listen, you don't need a vacation to rest. You need a vacation to connect with family. God's our source of rest. Some of us, we, you know, I used to take vacation to rest, and, and once you have kids, or, or really any vacation at all, you come back dog tired. It's like I went on vacation to rest and now I come back and I need a vacation from vacation. Right? That's because we look at our vacations, we look at our travels for rest, and, and that's not the true source of rest. The true source of rest, his name's Jesus. And he is rest, he is love, he is all things wrapped up into one. And I believe today it's going to hit our hearts. I may not explain it well, you may not capture it here, but it doesn't matter because I've captured it here. 
So let's get right into this, can we? Oh man, it's been such a fun weekend. Thursday night, we um, we got to a point, can I get a water from somebody, somewhere? Thursday night, we, we didn't have plans. And it's the first weeknight, and um, I really don't know how long that we didn't have plans. And I was so fidgety, I didn't know what to do. Nicole's like, why are you being so weird? I was like, I don't know. I, it's a Thursday night, I'm not doing anything. And, uh, and I felt like slightly guilty, but then I just kind of slid down a little more comfortable on the couch and we watched Dancing with the Stars with the girls don't tell us who won. All right, we're, we're on, we have like four more episodes left. It takes us like a whole week or two to get through one episode. because we watch like one dance per night. So uh, we limit our TV time because uh, I think if not, Chloe would be uh, up all night watching TV if we let her. She, she has an addictive personality. Thank God it's to Jesus in books. She loves to read. Hey, uh, but I want you to turn with me first. We're going to start in 1 John. We're going to be in Romans. We're going to be in Galatians. And who knows where else. But, uh, but here's the deal. Too many people have been focused on teaching people to be leaders and disciples in the church. And I think it's time we start focusing on teaching people how to be sons and daughters by leading by example. All of a sudden, we take off the pressure to say, no, you don't have to lead. No, you don't have to perform. No, no, you're already accepted. You're not just tolerated. You're celebrated, not tolerated. You're accepted, not rejected here. So, so we don't have to teach you to be a leader. We teach you how to be a son or a daughter, and out of that will be birthed great leaders. Listen, I'm just going to be really honest with you. A couple years ago, people didn't like me as the leader they had. People, people saw a leader that was pretty pretty mean and pretty performance-based and, and connection-driven and discipleship-driven and performance and, and works and you got to do this and you got to do that. Now I'm just telling you, just be. Just be. It's, it's a great place to just be. Yes. Be still and know He's God. And then the going comes from the being. Yes. Right? It doesn't come from the doing. The going doesn't come from the doing. The doing comes from the being. Yes. And you're way more successful when when we go, we go from a place of rest and we go from a place of just being. Be still and know He's God. Say that. Say, be still, be still. and know that, he's God. know that He's God. So Jesus not only came to be Messiah, He came to demonstrate as a son. He didn't come just to save the world. He came to be a demonstration to the world. And He came to demonstrate what it was to be a son. And He came to demonstrate. If you read in John, you, you see this great portrayal, I believe John 17, this great portrayal of father and son, and I and you and you and me, and, and, and it's this beautiful picture if you read it as a father-son parallel. So 1 John says this, so, so God sent His Son, He loved us so much, He loves us so much, He has this great plan to bring us back to the Father. Listen, He, doesn't want to be, he didn't want to be disconnected forever. So in the garden, something happened. And, and in the garden, you know, we hear this thing, well, God's in control of everything. No, he's actually not. I'm going to mess with you for a second. He's not in control of everything because he gave you the choice to choose him or not choose him. That's not in his control. God's not in control of the whole world to be saved. He's actually let it up to you. He's left it up to you to preach the good news, to baptize everybody in his name. He's left it up to you. Read Mark, Matthew 28, Mark 16. He's actually left it up to you, and he's given us the freedom. He loves us so much, he gives us a choice. He doesn't force us into anything. I've been forced into a few things in the kingdom. God's forced me into a few things, even things I didn't believe with. Somehow I got this baptism of the Spirit that I didn't even want. We say he's a gentleman, and I, I don't know about that. 
Sometimes I think he knows what we need better than we know ourselves. And I think sometimes he has a way of getting us that even when we're not ready for it. But see, he loved us so much, he said, you know what, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He said, and I'm going to get to that one later. He says he's not going to just leave us or forsake us. He's not going to abandon us. He's not going to leave us in a garden all alone. He had a plan, this great plan involved his son, this beautiful picture of what family is. And he brought him to earth. He, he manifested himself to earth as Jesus to walk the earth to be a demonstration. Not just for information, not just for a revelation, for demonstration of sonship, demonstration of what it was to reflect the Father, to reflect the goodness of the Father, to do good signs, wonders, and works, and miracles. To do that, to say, no, God is powerful, He is good. Listen, we can't just teach from the Word and not do the demonstration. And we can't have the demonstration without the Word to back it up. Amen. We have to know who God is, we have to know what God is, and we have to know how God is working. And when all of those work together, all of a sudden it's a beautiful picture. So it's what Jesus did on earth. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. But he came to be a demonstration. And God loved us so much, he sent his who? His only begotten son, his beloved son. So that you and I won't perish, but have what? Eternal life as sons and daughters. So that we could be born again. Why do we need to be born again? Because he wants us to be babies. He wants us to be born again, to live with him for eternity. Listen, he has a prayer, and it starts off by our Father. He's saying, pray like this in one, in one aspect. In the other aspect, he's saying, pray this. And he says, our Father. So what's he want us to come as? Sons and daughters. So he loves us so much that, that listen, check this out. 1 John 3, 1. And this is NIV. It says, see what great love the Father lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. Imagine that. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Have you imagined what it, what it might be like to be lavished with love? No, no. think about this. Think about it. We, we want to we compare this to our father. We want to compare this to our spouse or, or, or some family member or a friend. Listen, they don't have the capacity to love the way that God can love. They don't have near the capacity. They don't even have just an ounce of what God has to offer. It's agape love. It's unconditional love. It's love that never runs out. It's love that is unlike any other love. And he's saying that see what great love the Father has to lavish on us. Imagine the Father with unending love lavishing us with his love that it never runs dry. It never runs out. And listen, how much could the Father spoil us? I believe it's in Matthew. He says, see what good gifts I can pour out on you. Imagine the one who holds the whole entire universe in his hands, who created everything. Listen, we want to give the enemy way too much glory and credit. Let's, let's just be frank. The enemy has no power to do anything but deceive and lie. Amen. He cannot create anything. He did not create rock and roll. God created rock and roll, and the enemy perverted it. The enemy has no ability to create anything. So everything you literally see on earth is either what God created or he may have perverted into what it shouldn't have been. Amen. God gave us innovation. God gave us technology. We want to say, well, the enemy gave that. No, he doesn't give anything. The only thing he can give is deception and disease. That's all he has power to give. Listen, God created a whole body so, so that we could be whole. He was broken so we could be whole. So the only thing, the power that the enemy has is to deceive what the, what the, what the Father meant to be truth and whole. Yes. If it's not in heaven, if it's not in heaven, then, then we don't have to have a right to it. 
But if it's in heaven, I'm going to read some verses here. It says we have an heir to the throne. We are heirs to the throne. So what's in heaven belongs to us. The spirit of adoption is in heaven. The spirit of adoption is on earth. It's ours. God promised it, and we're going to receive it today. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Now listen, I love this part with an explanation point at the end. And that is what we are. Those very simple words. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we are children of God. Explanation point. And that is what we are. So anything out of being a child of God is simply a lie. Amen. Being dumb is not being a child of God. Being worthless is not being a child of God. Being a liar is not being a child of God. Anything outside of that is actually against your created design and what God had intended you to be. He intended for you to be sons and daughters, children of God. Anything outside of that is actually a bold-faced lie. He didn't create you to be a business owner. He didn't create you to be a pastor. He didn't create you to be all these things with these great titles. And if we're chasing after that, we're chasing after the wrong thing. He created you to be sons and daughters who are manifesting in the way that the earth in those realms. Amen. We, we, we have to grasp this part. Leadership comes from sons and daughters. Mothers and fathers come from sons and daughters. It's not the other way around. We cannot be a father or a mother until we're a son or daughter. When we perfect that, now all of a sudden these titles come. No other ship makes a, makes a hill of beans. Pastorship, deaconship, eldership. It, it really doesn't matter if we don't have sonship. Amen. Because we're just going to be burnt out and spent trying to perform and trying to earn our acceptance. Listen, God did not create a system so we could just have to earn acceptance and always face rejection. He's accepted us, and, he, and it, was, it was on the cross. He accepted us, and he gave us a full-blown pass, a VIP, all-access pass to heaven and to the Father when the veil was torn in two. But many of us were still trying to claw our way through it and trying to, trying to rip, that, rip that veil and do these things. But listen, that isn't what God intended. It was a gift. Freely I receive, freely I give. He received the gift of sonship when he was baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist, and freely he gave it. And now it's ours. Let's move on. So God literally wants to adopt us as sons and daughters. Romans 8, and then we're going to go to Galatians 4. And we're going to have the whole band come up. And I'm going to ask you to sing Good, Good Father. And then we have the best dad, Rick Pino. Okay? So just plan on that right now. But you don't have to perform. You can just do the best you can. Romans 8. Listen, this is, this is week four of sonship. And uh, we skipped a week or two here and there. And last week, God had different plans. So we just went right along with his plans because his plans are always better than our plans. But he's brought us right back to here. Listen, today, if you're asking yourself or if you're saying, I don't know how to be a son or a daughter. Good. You're in the perfect place. We don't have to teach our babies how to be babies. I don't have to teach my little girls how I'm their daddy they just know it why because something's been demonstrated to them they've experienced my love they've experienced my acceptance they've experienced my nurture my care my wife and I's just taking care of them covering them protecting them providing for them we don't have to teach them to be daughters they're being daughters we don't have to teach a baby to be a baby God is not concerned about teaching you how to be a baby or a son or a daughter he's concerned about adopting you with the spirit of adoption. When his spirit comes in you, when it comes upon you, you don't have to teach anything. Listen, when I was 
when, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, when I wasn't even expecting it or wanting it, I was blubbering and muttering and weeping and crying and snotting and whatever else. It was an ugly sight. We think God's oh, he's this pretty God. Everything's pretty in the kingdom. No, it's not pretty. Not everything is pretty. The cross wasn't pretty. Jesus was brutally beaten and mangled to the point of not being able to distinguish him from man or animal. None of us have ever seen anything like that. I've seen some gruesome things. Matt and I or any emergency worker in here has probably seen more gruesome things than anybody else. Or, or if you're in surgery or something. Okay, and I've never seen anything in my 14, 15 years of, of working in emergency services, anything to the point of seeing anything that's not distinguishable between man and animal. I've seen some gruesome things. I've seen decapitations. I've seen nasty, nasty, nasty stuff. But I've never seen anything like that. So was that pretty? No, it wasn't pretty. Sometimes it's not pretty, but here's the point. The point is we don't have to understand it. When the Spirit comes upon me, listen, I didn't have to understand. While I was snotting and weeping and, and speaking and in some language, I had no idea what it was. I didn't have to understand that. His Spirit gave me utterance. His Spirit gave me wisdom. His Spirit gave me understanding. And more importantly, His Spirit gave me peace, hope, and freedom. It gave me power. It gave me fire. Listen, I'm, I'm going to go through some of those. I didn't need to understand it. I didn't need to explain it. I didn't need to memorize Scripture for it. I experienced it. He demonstrated himself to me. He became a, a demonstration inside of me, within me, upon me, around me. I didn't have to understand that. Many of us, we, and, and I'm not discrediting, listen, I said at the beginning, the word complements who God is, and the signs and the wonders all work in this recycle circle. They're all complementing, pointing to each other, working, confirming one another, and they're just as important as one another. I, I agree with that. But sometimes we kind of we, we gotta just experience him. Right? He's got to make himself relevant to each one of us in, in our own ways. So Romans 8 says this, starting in verse 14 and into maybe 17. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. In today's language, it might be comparable to Daddy. Everybody say Daddy. Daddy. Say Abba. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Listen, He's saying understanding is not, not needed, it's not necessary. The Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Listen, He's wanting to get this in your hearts. He's wanting to get this past your head, past your knowledge, past your understanding to say, no, this is who I am in my spirit. That when things come, when things, listen, week three was all about what happens when you don't feel it. What happens when you don't understand it? What happens when you don't feel like feeling it? And I went into to the, to the experience that I had. Listen, he wants you to get this in your spirit, not just in your intellect. Amen. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Listen, joint heirs with Christ. We are joint heirs with Christ. We share what Christ shared. We are not Messiah. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is Jesus endured flesh. Jesus came to earth and we are joint heirs. Listen, God called him son and he's calling us children. Kind of hard to wrap our minds on that. Jesus might be our big brother. Oh, that's sacrilegious. No, that's what he's saying. We're joint heirs. Jesus is the son. We are sons and daughters. He is the Messiah. We share in that, but we are not Messiah. But he's saying, listen, everything I gave my son Jesus, I'm giving you because you're heirs to the throne. 
You're not going to live a sinless night life. You're not going to be perfect and you're not going to die, have to die on the cross for, for, for saving humanity. I already took care of that for you. Galatians 4. I'm just building foundation. We're going to get here and it's going to be quick and it's going to be amazing. But when the fullness, I'm going to read Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your what? Hearts. He has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts for this. Crying out, Abba, Father. Who cries out, Father? Children cry out, Abba, Father. He's getting this into your hearts. That this is the spirit of adoption. This is, a, this is a spiritual realm. This is something that you can't explain. This is not something that you can even teach. I, I, I can't teach somebody how to be a good son. I've had a lot of people text me over the last four or five weeks. Well, I don't even know how to be a son. I don't even know what that looks like. Yeah, I don't either, but I know I have it. I can't teach somebody to speak in tongues, but when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know you have it. It's the spirit of adoption. Okay, going on. Therefore, you are no longer what? Slave. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir to God through who? Jesus Christ. Listen, sonship is positional before it becomes practical. I was listening to a message. It was crazy. After the first week I preached on sonship, I had two people, or I stumbled across this podcast, and um, it was Casey Doss preaching on sonship that very week. I get an email or, or something from, from Kathy, and, and it's, it's telling me that Perry Stone that very week was on Praise the Lord speaking on sonship. There's a sauce here on sonship that if we capture this, I believe that we're going to capture the kingdom. Jesus was a son. When we can capture that his identity wasn't, wasn't practical before it was positional, if we can capture that. Listen, when he was baptized and the father brought him up, I'm just going to recap this, what we said in one of the first weeks. When he was brought up from the baptism, he hadn't done a single miracle yet. He hadn't performed. He hadn't done anything. He was just being a son. Listen, this is the importance. It took 30 years to capture what it was to be a son and three years to actually do the ministry from sonship. So when he came up from the water, the, the heavens opened, the dove descended, and it, and it actually rested on him. It didn't come and go. Most of our religion is pigeon religion, and it comes and goes. We do this. Christianity, hot and cold, hot and cold, conference to conference, camp to camp. Come on. When the dove rested on him, all of a sudden, the Father opens up the heavens and says this, this is my beloved son, I'm paraphrasing, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Wrap your head around that. Jesus hadn't saved the world yet. He hadn't raised the dead and he hadn't healed the sick and he hadn't preached the sermon on the mount. But yet the father's saying, this is my beloved son. He's saying, be loved son. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. What's he pleased with? His position. It was positional before it was practical. Once it becomes positional, he makes us practical. Once all of a sudden we get sonship and daughtership, all of a sudden we operate from that and then we can perform. I said grace isn't opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. Listen, seek. The power of seeking is crazy. Seek first the kingdom of what? God. 
and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So listen up. We're going we're gonna to carry on. The sonship is the foundation of everything. It's about who you are before it's about what you do. Jesus proved that after his baptism. It was positional before it was practical. It's based on who you are before it becomes what you do. What you do actually is birthed out of who you are. Not who you are out of what you do. I'm going to say that again. What you do doesn't make who you are. Who you are makes you do what you do. Sonship changes everything. See, listen, when you have sonship, you know yourself as a son or a daughter. Everything in the kingdom becomes effortless. Now all of a sudden, I'm not... Listen, David didn't try to fight and claw his way to the table. Many of us, we're, we're trying in our systems at work, in our systems at church, in our systems in our family. We're trying to claw and fight and work and try to, try to do this effort thing in the kingdom. And, and listen, David, they said, actually, they came to Jesse's house. And the king's representative said, hey, there's one more son. He's the youngest. Where is he? Listen, he didn't have to earn his way to the table. David knew who he was because he knew who he was. He was a man after God's own very heart. Listen, he knew who he was because he knew whose he was. So he didn't have to fight for his position at the table. Listen, his was positional before it was ever practical. It, he, he knew his position. So all of a sudden, our prayer changes to not say, Oh God, let me do this. Oh, oh God, if you just use me. Oh God, oh God, oh God. You know, we're saying, Come, Jesus, come. And he's saying, You're my sons and daughters. Go, people, go. He's already came. He's already came. He's already given everything he's going to give the earth. He's already created. Then he rested. Listen, this, this thing about rest and the Sabbath, this is kind of a funny, funny thought because, you know, I used to tell, I know pastors that have to take a Sabbath and have to have a certain day of the week that's the day of rest. Jesus didn't rest. He's continually been resting. After he made the earth, listen, even in Jesus in the New Testament, he even healed on the Sabbath and he's like, what, you guys take a day off? He healed on the Sabbath. He healed on their day of rest to prove a point. Listen, God created everything in infinite design where it just continues to do its work and what it's supposed to do. Listen, a tree was, was, was created by God to create seeds and to create these things to continually plant and continually regenerate just like people. So suddenly now Jesus, after the sixth day, he's been in eternal rest. Why? Because he made everything perfect the way it was designed to be. So he's in continual rest. That's why I don't need a vacation to rest. That's why I don't need a Monday to rest. I continually rest. Why? Because everything I do comes from my being. Two years ago, it hit me. My identity is not in how big my church is. Many of us, we haven't got there yet. Your identity is still in your work title. Your identity still in how much money you have or what your car is that you're driving or, or you could fill in the blank for what it is for you. Yes. I'm saying all of you. I'm not, and I'm not trying to condemn you or convict you or anything. God does that. What I'm saying is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. My, listen, I took a demotion at work so I could be here more, so I could be a son. I sold a business so I could be here, so I could be with Jesus. Listen, one, one side note. I, I met with a pastor a week or two ago. He's a good man of God. And he was telling me that Billy Graham was interviewed just, just prior to getting pretty ill. And they said, is there one thing you regret? Is there one thing you do different? How many know we, we have icons in, in, in our faith? Yes. Billy Graham, he's, he's a hero. He's a man of integrity. And, and we may not, some people may not agree with every bit of his doctrine, but he is a man of God. Yes. 
He's an amazing man, doing, did amazing work, and his legacy is continually growing and doing great work. But you know the only thing he regretted and said he'd do different? Spend more time with his father. It's the only thing. If I could change anything, the only thing I would change in my life is that I could, would have spent more time with my father, God. It wasn't to have more crusades. It wasn't to see more people come to the kingdom, more televangelists, telecasts. It wasn't, it wasn't anything like that. It wasn't, it wasn't to, to build up the system or to make his sons more powerful than he was. You know what it was? His only thing that he would change in life is to spend more time with his papa. I don't want to get to a place in life when I'm old, when I have grandkids, and be sitting in a bed saying, I just wish I would have had more time with my father. Sonship. When you have sonship, you know yourself. Sonship changes prayer. We no longer come to a place to pray for just ourselves, and it's about me, 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 me. We come to a place to actually pray for others, yeah. like we did last week. Yeah. One thing that can truly make you accepted is the love of the Father. Yeah. Freedom is knowing who you are and whose you are. Listen, if you're struggling with acceptance, you may have an orphan mentality still, but there's something that comes upon you in the spirit of adoption that you no longer think like an orphan. If you feel like you need approval or performance, then all of a sudden the spirit of adoption eradicates that completely and no longer do you have to perform. Now listen, there's one thing that information and revelation do with sonship if you don't have the transformation. It actually breeds complacency and apathy to say, well, I'm a son, I'm an heir to the throne. It's grace, I can do anything. Now let me show you a verse here. John 14, 15 through 18. Are you with me? Yes. Give your partner a high five. We are wrapping this up. Could the band come? Before they play, there's one verse and one thing I want to read. Then I want to tell you about the spirit of adoption and just offer an invitation. If you want this, it's yours. It's a promise. And how many know his promises are yes and amen? John 14, 15 through 18 says this. It says, if you love me, keep my commands. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. No, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, God, Jesus, I love you. No, Peter, do you love me? Listen, when we have sonship and true sonship, listen, there's something that goes on in a generation between age 50, somewhere lower, probably beneath 40 years old right now in, in, in America, in our culture, to probably down into the teenage years. It's a, it's, a, it's a spirit of entitlement. It's a spirit of apathy. It's a spirit that, that thinks that, well, everything belongs to me. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to do this. And listen, if we're not careful, we get in that place in the kingdom to say, I'm an heir to the throne. It all belongs to me. I don't have to do anything. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Jesus said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Listen, there's something that actually requires us to present ourselves a living sacrifice and to actually say yes. God gave me this picture. I'm going just a few minutes longer than what I anticipated. God gave me this picture of this, of this tree and of this fruit. 
and I expressed it, I think, to our group one night, and I, I never wrote it down, and I meant to. And sonship is kind of like this. So we have this, this fruit tree, and the fruit is just right there, ready for picking, okay? It's just right there, and, and it's ours. It's ripe, it's ready, the harvest is, is plentiful, right? And it's, and it's ours. Everything in the kingdom is yours. You have a right to it. All we have to do is choose to just reach up effortlessly, pull down. Now listen, some of us, we want to just stand under the tree and let the fruit just fall to us. The only thing falls from trees is rotten fruit or fruit from somebody else's picking. Listen, God wants you to have your own fruit. He doesn't want you to have rotten fruit and he doesn't want you to have fruit falling from somebody else's bushels. He wants you to have your fruit because he's designed you to be you. No one else is like you. You have your own DNA, and we all share the DNA of Christ, but you have your very own part of that. Here's the other part. So, so he wants us just to reach up and pick. Now, on the other end, there's, there's the group of people who, who want to just stand under the tree, and the fall, fruit falls, and yeah, you're getting rotten and leftovers. Are you following me? But then there's the other group that's, that's over here, and this is the performance and legalism, and, and, and you've got to earn, and it's works. And now all of a sudden, I need ladders, and I need cherry pickers, and I need all these ways to, and I need to prune it, and I need to get in, and I need to get the hardest piece of fruit possible to get it. He's not asking you to do that. That's not necessary. He doesn't need you to go overboard, and he doesn't, he's not asking you to give up anything more than just you. He just wants you. Some of us, we just want to stay in there and say, oh, it's mine. I'll take it. Yeah, you're going to end up with rotten fruit or fruit in somebody else's shadow. All he wants us to do is say, here, it's mine. Listen, I just want to read one, one more verse to you and talk about a story. If you love me, keep my commands. John 14, 15 through 18. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Listen, he, this is where Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit for you, for me. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Spirit of truth. The word cannot accept him because it's neither him nor him. But you know him for he lives with you. Now listen, Christ lives with us. The Holy Spirit is with us, but it's also within us and upon us. So catch this verse right here. For he lives with you and will be in you. Listen, isn't that funny that he's saying the Holy Spirit is different, he's differentiated to say he'll be with you and in you. There's a difference of the Spirit being with you and upon you and in you. Okay? And it says, I will not leave you as orphans. So the very first thing he's saying there is he will be with you, he will be and he will be in you. And then the very next thing, I will not leave you as orphans. Why? Because he just made us children because he adopted us with the spirit of adoption in us. Therefore, we will not be left as what? Orphans. So we're no longer a slave or a servant. We're sons and daughters. We're no longer orphans because his spirit of adoption comes with us and in us. So we're not orphans. Last thing. There's a difference here. So, so there's a freedom from the orphan mentality. The older son in the prodigal story, the first two weeks I focused on the prodigal story. The first week was the prodigal son. The next week was the older brother. So here's the deal. God gave me this in a dream a couple weeks ago. And here's what it says. The older son in the prodigal story didn't have a revelation that he belonged in the house as a son. He had become a slave. 
a servant. Listen, he worked, 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 but he was in the house. See, he was a slave and a servant, and he never changed his way of thinking. So the prodigal son left as an orphan because he didn't think he belonged. Listen, there's two things going on here. If you're not a son, you're either a slave or you're an orphan. You're either earning your way or you're an orphan and you don't think you belong and you're always rejected. If you can pick up what I'm saying here, I think it's pretty good. The son was in the house as a slave and a servant. He never captured the mindset. Now here's the son that leaves. The younger son leaves and he's an orphan because he leaves because he didn't think he belonged. But here's the difference between the two now. So the son stayed in the house but never changed the way of his thinking. He was not transformed by the renewing of his mind. He never changed his thinking. Now here's the difference. The other son who left, it said he came to himself while he was in the hog pen. So here he is. He's in his mess. He's in his, he the most miserable place he's ever been. He would not even eat the waste of the swines. He didn't think he was even worthy of that. And here he is. He's, he's caught up in this mess. Literally in the pen, in the pile, in the manure of a hog pen. But he said then he came to himself. Yes. Listen, something came upon him and he came to himself. Listen, I want to clarify that. Because, but he came to himself meant he returned to the way he was actually designed to be. Himself. Himself is a son. Himself is a child. Himself is a baby with his father as the Almighty. He came to himself. That's truth. See, when he came back to his created nature, the truth... That's who he was. Himself was son. Himself was not somebody he wasn't supposed to ever be intended to be. That's a lot of stuff, okay? When he came to himself, what did himself look like? It looked like a little boy running for his father. He looked like a little boy whose father met him and lavished him with love. That's what it looked like. Listen, the one son never came to himself because he was a bondservant. He was a slave. He was a servant. But the son that came to himself, he came to himself in the hog pen, back to his created destiny. You were created. You were created to be sons and daughters. Anything outside of that is not God. Stand with me. We're going to start playing. This is the sweet spot right here. Listen. Many of us, we have baggage. We have stuff that doesn't belong to us. We have numbers behind our names through the court system. Listen, I tried everything. I tried everything there was. I was in the drug world for a while. I, I was an alcoholic. I, my wife and I were facing divorce. I was addicted to pornography. I tried popularity. Listen. I had an offer at 19 years old for almost $120,000 a year for in the corporate world. This was 15 years ago. Or maybe 13. Somewhere in there. It's a lot of money. Listen, I, I, I tried every avenue I could. I shared, I think, in week two that I was just a burnout pastor just a couple years ago. Sitting on my bed with a gun. Little kids in the house. Nothing fixed me. Nothing. Listen, I, I want to share something with you. And you, you can try it theologically if you want. I don't even know if it makes sense to anybody else, but it makes complete sense to me. First, I had information of what it was to be a son of God. 
And I went that route, but I still was in the performance realm. Then I had revelation. And it started to kind of sink in, and I understood what it was to be an heir to the throne, but it kind of led to that sense of entitlement. But then all of a sudden, a transformation hit me, and the spirit of adoption came within me, and it changed me forever. Once I encountered the Father's spirit, I was changed. Once I encountered the Father's love, I was transformed. My mind was renewed, and I no longer thought like an orphan, but I thought like a son. I was no longer a saint. I was no longer a slave, but I was a saint. So here's, here's, here's what God kind of gave me. Listen, I tried everything. And through the process of drugs and alcohol and all these, all these different things that did not work, titles and corporate mentalities and money and, and all this stuff, the water baptism allowed me to see what sin was and what righteousness was and God as a Savior. The baptism of the Spirit allowed me to see God and what He's capable of differently. The baptism of fire allowed me to see His power differently. The baptism of love allowed me to see people differently. But the baptism of the Spirit of Sonship allowed me to see myself differently. There's all these crazy things we talk about in the Bible. What are these things? What's this baptism of fire? The Bible says that He will baptize you with spirit and fire. What's this baptism of love? It's really great. He lavishes you with love. What's this baptism of, of sonship? I don't know. I made it up, but it makes perfect sense to me. I think it's real. It says the spirit of adoption coming within our hearts. I think it's real. Listen, I, you can challenge me. I'm not saying this is doctrine. I'm not saying this is like the word totally backs it up. And it's, oh, the, the baptism of the spirit of sonship. The baptism, the spirit of adoption. Listen, I'm not, and I'm not trying to make things up here. I'm just saying something came in my heart. And it was the spirit of adoption. Call it what you want, but we're offering it for sale today. And it's free, so we will make you free because he wants you to be free. Amen. He paid a price, so you don't have to. It was fully paid for, covered by the blood of Jesus. And he came to earth to seek and save that which is lost. And I think there's been a lot of little boys and little girls that's lost their innocence, lost their purity, lost their joy, lost all these other things things in their life but listen God today wants to restore it he wants to restore you back to a little boy and a little girl with a great big daddy listen I've been on this I've been on this thing for weeks this is the time I believe that you were called here today for such a time as this I don't care if it's the first time you're here I don't care if you've been here every year with us since we started listen you were called for such a time as this I don't care if you're 10 years old or 90 years old you were called for such a time as this to be a little boy and a little girl with a great big daddy he wants to free you from you and he wants to free you from everybody else he wants you to no longer be an orphan cast out rejected and he no longer wants you to be a slave in the house just performing he wants you to be a son and he wants you to be a daughter forever accepted forever forever just received forever loved listen there's no end to his love there's no end there's no end to this this is the spirit of adoption I'm writing an entire chapter in the book I'm writing on such a, on the spirit of adoption there's something that came upon me that no longer wanted me to sit in a bed with a gun listen I had this baptism of spirit I had the spirit of fire I had all these other different things and baptisms and spirits and all this stuff but listen the only one that truly freed me from me was the spirit of sonship it was the spirit of adoption where I could cry out Abba Father when I could cry out Daddy Papa Abba Lord you're mine 
I received that, there was a deep something that happened in my heart that I could never be offended by anybody. There's something that happened in that where I could never be mad at anybody. Something took place within the last year to two years that where it changed every bit of the way I lead, the way I parent, the way I love my wife, the way I see myself. Why? Because I can love myself to love others. The last thing I'll say, the Bible says this, the greatest commandment of all, he sums it up. He says to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as what? Yourself. You want to love yourself, see yourself as a son or a daughter. You want to love yourself, have the spirit of adoption in you, and you'll love that little boy and little girl inside you. Listen, my wife and I, we're going to pray for you. If you want this, come now. Just come. Just come. You want the spirit of adoption. You want free from you. If you want free from bondage of unforgiveness, if you want free from oppression, if you want free from depression, if you want free from anxiety, right now it's yours. Right now we are going to lay hands on every person in this place if you want it. If you want it, if you don't want to be on that bed being suicidal, if you don't want to be at night with night terrors, listen, God wants to free you from you. God wants to free you from everybody else. This is yours. This is yours. You no longer have to perform. You no longer have to be rejected. You are accepted. You're not just tolerated in the kingdom. You're celebrated. You're a son. You're his daughter. He's offering this to you. It's totally you. It's totally you. It's all yours. It's all yours. I'm going to wait one more moment. If this is for you, to come. If this is for you, come. If this is for you, come. Come on, don't wait. go back to marital problems. You do not have to go back to financial woes. You do not have to leave the way you came in here. He's here for you. He's here for you. Listen, this is nothing from me. I'm not fabricating this thing. I'm not making something up. 